When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brandspark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. And if you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. Just a small sample of Donald Trump's dark speech at CPAC. We'll have more of the former president's MAGA messaging in just a moment. Meanwhile, it sure sounds like his former secretary of state is also running for president. Mike Pompeo is making the rounds, criticizing Trump's fiscal record while in the White House. And also ahead, we'll have a look at President Joe Biden's visit to Selma, Alabama, to mark the anniversary of Bloody Sunday. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early on this Monday, March 6th. I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for starting your day with us. We'll begin this week just outside Washington, D.C., where former President Donald Trump returned to the stage at CPAC over the weekend. For nearly two hours Saturday evening, Trump addressed a smaller-than-usual crowd at the Conservative Conference in National Harbor, Maryland. There, the 2024 presidential candidate laid into his so-called enemies, including those within his own party. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them. They're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I'm just standing in their way. That's all I'm doing. I'm standing in their way. If you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, globalists, open border zealots, and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Karl Rove, and Jeb Bush. We're not going back to people that want to destroy our great social security system. Even some in our own party. I wonder who that might be. The takeaway line, I am your retribution in Trump's dark grievance field, almost angry speech on Saturday. But Trump did have kind words for one person, though. Russian President Vladimir Putin, whom he called a friend. NATO wouldn't even exist if I didn't get them to pay up. But they paid up $449 billion or something, and that's the money they use. They're rich as hell right now. They spent an office building that cost $3 billion. Russia wouldn't even need an airplane attack 
One tank, one shot through that beautiful glass building and it's gone. Same architect I used in Chicago, great architects. I got along with Vladimir Putin very well. I say, Vladimir, don't do it. You know, you and I are friends. Don't take over any countries. I will have the disastrous war between Russia and Ukraine settled. It will be settled quickly, quickly. I will get the problem solved and I will get it solved in rapid order. And it will take me no longer than one day. I know exactly what to say to each of them. I got along with very well with them. I got along very well with Putin. I'm the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent and very easily World War III, very easily. And you're going to have World War III, by the way. You're going to have World War III. If something doesn't happen fast, you're going to have World War III. Before his CPAC speech, Trump also took questions from reporters and weighed in on the multiple criminal investigations he faces. Can you take this moment to assure your donors and your supporters that you're in this race to stay no matter what happens with those investigations, if you are? Sure. Uh, indicted one or more times? Sure. Well, they did two phony impeachments, and we won that. I wouldn't yeah. even think about leaving. Uh, these are uh, fake stories. These are horrible. Uh, the press is uh, pressing them to do something, do something. And uh, it's. I think it's very sad for our country. A lot of big-name Republicans skipped the gathering, but one other presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, was there, and she appeared to take a veiled jab at Trump during her remarks at CPAC on Friday. Take a look. We've lost the popular vote in the last seven out of eight presidential elections. Our cause is right, but we have failed to win the confidence of a majority of Americans. That ends now. If you're tired of losing, put your trust in a new generation. And if you want to win, not just as a party, but as a country, then stand with me. Haley was heckled after her speech. When she was done speaking, she stepped into a hallway where the pro-Trump crowd began chanting how much they loved the former president. Meanwhile, potential 2024 Republican presidential candidate Mike Pompeo is taking aim at the Trump administration's record on fiscal policy. Of course, this was an administration in which he served. During an appearance on Fox News on Sunday, Pompeo highlighted how the Trump administration spent $6 trillion more than it took in, adding to the federal deficit. Would a President Pompeo do a better job at managing the deficit and debt than a President Trump did? I think I think a President Pompeo or any conservative president will do better than not only we did during the four years of the Trump administration, Barack Obama, George Bush, the list is long, Shannon, of folks who come to Washington on one theory and don't aren't prepared to stand up and explain to the American people how we're actually going to get that right. It matters to the next generation. Uh, this the system is at risk. Uh, if we don't get it right, we are $31 trillion in the hole. We've got to begin to grow the economy, build it back with lower taxes. And when we do that and grow our economy, we'll get it right back right. It's going to take a true conservative leader, Shannon. Are you saying that President Trump wasn't a true conservative leader? $6 trillion more in debt. Uh, that's, nev- that's never the right direction for the country. At the same time, Pompeo said that he was proud of the Trump administration's work to secure the southern border and deter an attack on Europe by Vladimir Putin. 
And on Friday, Pompeo made this veiled remark about Trump during his own speech at CPAC. Take a look. We can't become the left, following celebrity leaders with their own brand of identity politics, those with fragile egos who refuse to acknowledge reality. This is a tough world, both abroad and here. And we, need, we can't shift blame to others, but must accept the responsibility that comes to those of us who step forward and lead. Joining us now, NBC News correspondent Vaughn Hilliard, who spent the weekend at CPAC. Vaughn, thanks for being with us. Um, Donald Trump won the CPAC straw poll, convincingly. No surprise there. The crowd was loaded with Trump supporters. But give us a sense of the views of those who were there, those that you talked to. Was this just... Trump or bust, or was there a sense that they'd be willing to explore other candidates in the GOP field as well? Right. And the name that Pompeo and Nikki Haley have such a difficult time just outright saying is Donald Trump uh, itself. And that is exactly what you heard at CPAC here, too, and largely because this was a very pro-Trump crowd. Yes, he overwhelmingly won the straw poll here, but this was an arena that really, you know, upon spending the last several days there, it made myself, uh, the NBC team that I was there with, others even within the Republican movement here today, look around and say, boy, Donald Trump really has a stronghold on what is now hardened support of his presidency and the opportunity to uh, serve in the White House again in 2024. Uh, individual after individual who I asked, who do you want in 2024? It was Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. There are a lot of words of, of affirmation uh, intended to go in the direction of the likes of a, a Ron DeSantis or even a Nikki Haley. It was not a cold reception that any of like Pompeo or Haley received. But like for DeSantis, multiple individuals saying he's still young. He could run four years from now. But for now, we've got Donald Trump and we should go back in his direction. And that's frankly why when I had the chance to uh, during that gaggle of reporters there throw a question over to Donald Trump, I asked him about the prospect of potentially why not just outright ask what is currently appears to be his major threat, Ron DeSantis. Why not make him his VP pick? And we'll take a listen to his response. Would you consider asking Ron DeSantis right now to be your vice presidential pick? Well, I've always had a great relationship with Ron. I was the one that made it possible for him to win. He was at a very low number, and after I endorsed him, he went up by a lot, and he asked me to do that. I've always had a good relationship with him, but it's much too early to talk about. Why should he not be the presidential candidate for Republicans? Well, he can be if he wants to be. Now, of course, there's a little part in the 12th Amendment of uh, uh, in which uh, a president of EP, John, Jonathan, cannot be from the same state. But of course, we've seen Donald Trump change his address before in the past. And <laughs> yet you didn't see him take that direct barb there at Ron DeSantis. And when you look at polling, he is, has a strong lead. And the question here is, who is really going to be able to take a dent in the months ahead into to Donald Trump's kind of that hardened support that we saw at CPAC? Yeah, Trump's been uh, aggressively attacking DeSantis on social media, but interesting there that he chose not to uh, in that particular moment. Um, Vaughn, give us a brief sense also from former President Trump and he, how he addressed all of these legal matters swirling around him. We played just a smidge of it uh, a minute ago, but that, that's what's changed here. The last time we've seen Trump give a major speech like this, feels like these investigations have closed in that much further. Give us a sense as to how he plans to respond. 
much like he did during his presidency when he was facing the impeachment uh, following the his call to Ukrainian President uh, Vladimir Zelensky. And that was just ahead of the 2020 presidential campaign. And instead of running away from the subject matter, he used it to try to propel his candidacy, uh, suggesting like he did during uh, the, the during the impeachment proceedings, much like right now up on stage at CPAC, he took the issue head on and made the case to that Republican base that these were yet again more uh, ploys, investigative efforts to try to undermine uh, his own candidacy. He talked about the four woman out of Fulton County who went uh, on that media tour and essentially calling it a circus and that it is an all out effort to try to undermine him. He said that he will not uh, step away from the campaign if he were to be indicted. Of course, there are investigations from New York to uh, Washington, D.C to that Fulton County, Georgia investigation. Several of these are expected to wind up here soon. And yet Donald Trump made it clear, even if indicted, he intends to help that to make him his case that this is a, a federal government that is uh, working to undermine uh, the uh, MAGA movement in his words. Jonathan. NBC News correspondent Vaughn Hilliard, thank you. And we will see you here on set a little later for Morning Joe. Safe travels to 30 Rock. Still ahead, the latest from Ohio, where there's been another Norfolk Southern train derailment. Plus, almost one year after being slapped by Will Smith at the Oscars, comedian Chris Rock is now sharing his side of the story. We'll be covering all that and a check on weather and sports when we come right back. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating another Norfolk Southern train derailment in Ohio. 28 cars came off the tracks on Saturday near the town of Springfield, which is west of Columbus. No injuries were reported. Officials say the train was carrying hazardous materials, but not in any of the cars that derailed. Still, residents in the area were ordered to shelter in place for several hours as a precaution. The crash happened just over a month after a Norfolk Southern train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in East Palestine along the Pennsylvania border, renewing federal calls for rail safety. In a tweet, Democratic Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown wrote, quote, Ohio communities should not be forced to live in fear of another disaster. It's unacceptable. He called on Congress to immediately pass legislation. 
Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky welcomed U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to Ukraine on Friday. The unannounced trip followed an invitation by Ukraine's prosecutor general. Garland met with that official, President Zelensky, and other international partners in the western city of Lviv. The DOJ says Garland held several meetings and reaffirmed our determination to hold Russia accountable for crimes committed in its unjust and unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Garland's trip to Ukraine was kept under wraps for security purposes. About a week out from this year's Oscars, comedian Chris Rock is finally talking about being slapped by Will Smith at last year's ceremony. He cracked jokes about the incident in a live-streamed Netflix comedy special on Saturday. Everybody knows, yes, it happened. I got smacked like a year ago. Last week, I got smacked in the fucking Oscars by this mother. And people like, did it hurt? It still hurts. I got summertime ringing in my ear. Will Smith practices selective outrage. Practices selective outrage. Because everybody knows what the f*** happened. Everybody that really knows, knows I had nothing to do with that. I didn't have any entanglements. A lot of buzz around the special. Feels like a must-watch in the days ahead. Of course, during the Academy Awards last year, Smith slapped Rock on stage after he made a joke about Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, calling her, quote, G.I. Jane. Jada Smith has alopecia. Willis Smith has apologized for the incident, but has been banned from attending the Oscars for the next decade. Still ahead in sports, we'll have the highlights from a thrilling Sunday around the NBA. And a little later, we'll turn to business news and we'll explain why higher prices for eggs are likely here to stay. We'll be right back with all that. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Lobs it into Brown. Brown one on one with Grimes. Brown finishes. A chance to tie it at the line for Jalen Brown. In overtime, down one to the Knicks. He hits this one. Tied at 113. Gets it to Randall. The hero from Friday night. Randall spinning. Here comes the steal. Brown. And that means. Turns the corner into the paint. Quickly ties it. Emmanuel quickly doing it all. Celtic. 
This is the set he ran, hitting that game-winning three against Philadelphia. Tatum kicks. Horford! No! That's it! The Knicks outlast the Celtics! That he ran, hitting that game-winning A thrilling finish in Boston gives the New York Knicks their ninth straight win. The Celtics, as you just saw, had a good look to win it in double overtime, but Al Horford's three from the corner came up short. Jason Tatum missed a game-winning chance at the end of the first OT. The Knicks were led by Emmanuel Quickly, who had a career-high 38 points. Jalen Brunson didn't even play in this game and quickly made some huge shots down the stretch. Celtics, some questions here about some coaching and rotation issues. As for the Knicks, they are surging. They are good. They will be heard from come playoff time. Now let's go to Dallas, where things got chippy late between the Suns and Mavericks. Wayne Wright with eight to shoot. Back to KD with six. Durant driving on Hardaway. Pull-up jumper. Durant got it! And Phoenix has a two-point lead. Down to 11-7. Oh, that's right. Kevin Durant is a son now, and he made what would be the game winner. Two of his game-high 37 points. Luka Doncic missed the chance to tie it up from point-blank range with under 10 seconds in the game. After a foul, Doncic and Devin Booker exchanged some words and had to be separated. There's some history between the two of them. The Suns are now 3-0 with KD in their lineup. Let's stay now in the NBA, where the Memphis Grizzlies say there is no timetable for superstar Ja Morant's return after he appeared to flash a handgun on an Instagram live stream. The team originally suspended Morant two games for the incident, which was posted on social media early Saturday morning while he was at a nightclub. It follows recent reports of troubling behavior tied to the NBA star dating back to the summer. The Washington Post detailed two incidents of threats involving Morant and his friends. In one, a 17-year-old claimed Morant punched him in the head and then went inside his house and came back out with a gun during a backyard basketball game. Morant apologized for the social media video in a statement, writing he will, quote, take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. Time now for the weather, and let's go to meteorologist Michelle Grossman for the forecast. How's it looking out there, Michelle? Hey there, Jonathan. Great to see you. Well, we're looking at unsettled weather once again in the West. We have a couple storm systems that will move on shore, and that's going to add to the rain, the snow totals there. We're going to be measuring feet of snow in portions of Northern California, also the Sierra Nevada mountains. So that's the story, big story for this week. 14 million people impacted by winter alerts throughout the West, the Intermountain West, into the Northern Plains, even the Great Lakes, and also portions of the Mid-Atlantic, looking at some winter alerts this morning. So this is what it looks like, a snapshot for today. Uh, snow showers throughout the West. Of northern plains. And then we're going to watch a little pocket of energy move throughout the mid-Atlantic. That's going to bring the chance for some rain. Even a quick dusting of snow is likely in New York City tonight into tomorrow. Big difference in the south. We're looking at really warm temperatures, spring warmth, even record-breaking temperatures throughout the southern plains and also the southeast. Jonathan? Michelle Grossman, thank you so very much. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, a look at how House Democrats are already rallying behind President Biden ahead of an expected 2024 announcement. We'll be back in a moment with that. Welcome back to Way Too Early. It is 5.30 a.m. on the East Coast, 2.30 out west. 
I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for being with us. Democrats are putting on a united front to support President Joe Biden for a likely re-election bid. Despite questions about his age and his approval ratings in the low 40s, House Democrats agreed they're sticking with Biden during their annual retreat last week in Baltimore. The gathering included both progressives and moderates, along with leadership and rank and file members. Biden is already the oldest president in history at the age of 80. And if he runs and wins re-election next year, he would be 86 at the end of his second term. The president said he intends to run for that second term, but has not officially announced his candidacy. The official announcement is slated for the months ahead. Aides have been looking towards April, though there's some recent chatter that it may slip later into the year. For more on that, I'm joined by congressional reporter for The Hill, Michael Schnell. Michael, great to see you this morning. Um, so you, you're, you were talking to House Democrats who have made it clear uh, that they are coalescing behind President Biden. And we're going to set aside Marianne Williamson. Uh, and at the moment, anyway, Biden seems to be unchallenged for the nomination. But dig a little deeper for us. How united are these Democrats really behind Biden? What are their concerns? That's exactly right, Jonathan. House Democrats at their annual retreat in Baltimore last week, they met there in Baltimore. And there was one clear theme throughout that three, uh, one of many clear themes throughout that three-day retreat was Biden 2024. Uh, House Democrats from all ends of their very diverse, uh, politically diverse spectrum uh, threw their support behind a Biden re-election campaign. And I'm talking about uh, the center-left New Democratic Coalition, members of leadership, and also members of the Congressional uh, Progressive Caucus. Chairwoman Pramila Jayapal, who I will note, through her support behind Bernie Sanders in the 2020 uh, presidential primary, she said that she would like to see President Biden announce his campaign sooner rather than later, really underscoring the support for Biden among House Democrats. I will note, though, there are some outliers. Congressman Dean Phillips, a Democrat from Minnesota, for months has raised concerns about President Biden's age. As you mentioned, he is already the oldest president to hold the White House. Uh, he re-upped those concerns in an interview with Politico last month saying that he surprised that Democrats their support behind President Biden and that support within the caucus is is drowning out uh, those those outlier concerns. And there's no question the president has a pretty impressive resume on which to run again with legislative accomplishments and his leadership with the war in Europe. But uh, the longer he waits the, to make his announcement, the more chatter there will be about whether or not he should. And talk to us a little bit about Democrats you've spoken to about that disconnect that we keep hearing out there. Polls reflect and also just speaking to voters. So many Democrats very fond of President Biden say he's done a good job and, of course, grateful to him for being Donald Trump, but aren't sure they actually want him to run again. Well, Jonathan, there have been some really interesting polls in recent weeks, one in particular that said uh, that voters don't exactly think that President Biden has accomplished that much in his uh, first two years of his term. And again, you've mentioned there have been a number of legislative accomplishments, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the gun safety bill, uh, the marriage equality bill and the COVID-19 relief package. There is a lot there that President Biden has approved during his time in office. Uh, but there's just some disconnect among voters thinking that in this poll that, hey, he hasn't really accomplished very much. Now, I will note uh, that doesn't exactly 
exactly jive with the strategy House Democrats are heading into 2024 with during that retreat in Baltimore last week. They kept saying on a number of occasions, implementation. It's all about messaging and telling the voters what we accomplished in the first two years. Though there's one difference now is that the projects that were approved under uh, the Biden administration in the first two years, we're now starting to see ground being broken and the effects of those legislative accomplishments taking effect. So it's possible that we can see some change in that disconnect and voters recognizing those accomplishments more. But again, implementation and touting those accomplishments, it's a big strategy heading into 2024. No question there. It's going to be hard to pass new legislation with the Republicans in control of the House. But you can't walk through an airport in this country right now without seeing a sign about the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and how dollars are coming for repairs. That is what they're going to try to do. Uh, it's a great point by you. Congressional reporter for The Hill, Michael Schnell, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And speaking of the president, he traveled to Selma, Alabama yesterday to commemorate the 50th, 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. The day marks the police attack on a group of black marchers who crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge back in 1965. This was Biden's first trip to Selma as president. He marched across the bridge with several lawmakers and civil rights activists. The president invoked the Selma marchers to make his case for voting rights and potentially four more years in office. And this fundamental right remains under assault. The conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. Since the 2020 election, a wave of states and dozens, dozens of anti-voting laws fueled by the big lie and the election deniers now elected to office. In many of your faith traditions, Sunday is the Sabbath, a day of rest. But on that Sunday morning of March 7th, 1965, Amelia Boynton Robinson and 600 of her fellow children of God chose different pews. On this bridge of her beloved Selma, they were called to the altar of democracy. Unsure of their fate, but certain of the cause was righteous. So she would go on to say, quote, you can never know where you're going unless you know where you've been. We know where we have been. <clears throat> My fellow Americans, on this Sunday of our time, we know where we've been, and we know, more importantly, where we have to go forward, together. So let's pray, but let's not rest. Let's keep marching. Let's keep the faith. Forceful words from the president there. Still ahead, we're going to turn to business, Suze, and go live to CNBC. We'll take an early look at Wall Street ahead of what could be a big week for the markets. As Fed Chair Jerome Powell heads to Capitol Hill to testify about the economy, inflation, and interest rates. The board, though, all red right now. We're back with all that in just a minute. Welcome back. Time now for business. And for that, let's bring in CNBC's Arabile Goumede, who joins us live from London. Good morning, Arabile. We're looking ahead to another busy week filled with economic data and the latest commentary from the Federal Reserve. How is the market shaping up this morning? 
Yeah, so it's a pretty flat stance for now is that market picture. And that really is based off the lack of direction, perhaps, awaiting a little bit more information coming out of the Federal Reserve there, John. So what you'll get is a sense that people are kind of waiting for what clear signs the Federal Reserve's Jerome Powell will give when he testifies uh, in Congress then tomorrow as well as Wednesday with regards to uh, how the state of the economy is looking and what exactly is expected then for interest rate hikes, why things have moved in the direction they have thus far. All of those factors will certainly come into play. Just last week, uh, we got word from Neil Kashkari who said they were con- he's considering uh, a 50 basis point uh, hike in interest rates while other Fed officials are considering 25 basis point hikes. So clearly it's a bit mixed. Inflation still remaining high and that is the main cursor to kind of look out for. Other data, non-farm payrolls so the jobs numbers, that's expected to come out on Friday. That'll be a key factor uh, to look out for. Today, later, factory order updates and the U.S. budget also set to come out on Thursday. So according to a Moody Analytics report, the gender pay gap could cost the world economy $7 trillion. What's happening here? Explain that for us. Yeah, so that's going to cost quite a quite a bit. I mean, it, it's really just based off ensuring that equality kind of happens, not just in the workplace, but in everyday life. In fact, at this rate, it could take over 130 years in order for that gender pay gap to kind of uh, reach that uh, that point of equality, even if it is just a little bit close for that matter. Uh, and so Moody's is using what could even be the best possible uh, figure for this number. It's absolutely appalling at how at this stage what that number has gone to, uh, and. Uh, the hope is that with more participation by women in the uh, field of work, as well as managerial positions and senior leadership roles, that will get a little bit better and not take as long. And Arabile, last uh, quick one for you. Prices have risen for just about everything over the last couple of years, but the cost of one item is getting out of control and generating a lot of buzz. Tell us about it. Yeah, so that's eggs, in fact, right? What used to cost around $40 for the price of eggs, uh, 120 eggs, that is, now cost over $100, right? So the price of eggs going up over 70%, in fact, over the last year or so, all on the back of the avian flu, of course, which has been uh, quite a big factor. You saw uh, at least millions of uh, birds actually having been killed in 2022 in the United States alone. So that has affected how many eggs have actually come out as well. You've also got inflation, of course, going a whole lot higher, plus supply chain issues, all of those factors playing into this uh, supply shortage that we are seeing. So eggs, unfortunately, still struggling at this point. And that number is set to increase quite dramatically as well. CNBC's Arabile Gumede, live from London. Thank you, my friend. Still ahead here, we're going to turn back to politics with President Joe Biden's message to Democrats on the hot button issue of crime. Way too early. It's coming right back with that. Welcome back. President Biden is sharpening his message on crime ahead of an expected 2024 re-election run. Last week, the president announced he would not veto a Republican bill blocking to change to crime law in Washington, D.C. The revisions to the Capitol's criminal code would have lowered penalties for some crimes, including robberies and carjackings, if it were to be enacted. Joining us now is White House reporter for The Washington Post, Tyler Pager. Tyler, uh, good to see you. Let's take a minute and talk about uh, this moment. Um, first of all, it's unusual to have Democrats 
uh, be angry, some Democrats, at what the president has done. So please give us a sense on that. But it also is telling us to what the White House thinks of crime as a major issue looming into 2024, coming this decision that Biden made just days after Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot lost her reelection bid, largely, voters say, because of crime. Exactly right, Jonathan. Uh, To your first point there, there's frustration from Democrats in the House and the Senate about Biden's comments about this piece of of legislation, feeling betrayed by uh, a president who has been an advocate for D.C. statehood, obviously now intervening in legislation passed by the D.C. City Council. And they felt blindsided by his by his statement there and and confused by by uh, a tweet that would say he both supported D.C. statehood and the ability for it to govern itself, while also weighing in and saying he won't veto this resolution that interferes exactly uh, on that. But then, as you said, if we we brought it out here and look at the politics of the situation, Democrats have been concerned about Republican efforts to paint the party as soft on crime. Biden has often clashed with members of his own party on the issue of crime during the crowded 2020 Democratic primary. Biden often tussled with other Democrats running for president because of his opposition to calls uh, to defund the police and other efforts for criminal justice reform. He has supported some efforts on that front, but has been a more staunch supporter of police, um, being very clear that he supported diverting more resources, more funding to the police, especially from atta- especially as attacks ratchet up from Republicans and more moderate Democrats about the party's positioning on crime. Yeah, a key issue to watch in the months ahead, to be sure. Tyler, you've got some new reporting for The Washington Post. That President Biden is amassing a large advisory board ahead of his 2024 decision. Tell us a little bit about the board uh, in terms of how it's helping him make potential policy decisions. But really, what's the subtext here in terms of the looming campaign and any possible primary challenges? Yeah, that's right. I think the subtext here is quite important. It's not unusual for the leader of a, of a party to put together, you know, a sort of super surrogate program of the top figures in their party to be part of a campaign to support the president in terms of travel, fundraising, speaking out, and, and being on the same message. But I think what's really important here as we look at who's part of this board from governors like Newsom, uh, Gavin Newsom in California, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, Phil Murphy in New Jersey, uh, Elizabeth Warren in the Senate, Ro Khanna in the House. These are all influential party leaders who have either run or could run for president in the future. And as the president and his team put together this advisory board, it's a clear message that, one, he's running for re-election, but two, they want to tamp down on any potential dissent or criticism as he launches and then pursues uh, a bid for the YR re-election bid. And so this is part of that effort to get everyone on the same page, ensure that people aren't speaking out of terms Uh, when it comes to his political future, the president's political future, that is, um, and have everyone united as they move into what is likely to be a divisive election, uh, as we've seen over over the last few cycles. Keep your friends close and your potential political rivals closer. That seems to be the message here from the White House. The Washington Post's Tyler Page are terrific reporting, and thank you for joining us this morning. Up next here on Way Too Early, we're going to take a look at former President Trump's escalating attacks on China. And then coming up on Morning Joe, much, much more from CPAC, including Trump saying he won't drop out of the 2024 White House race, even if he gets indicted. Plus, we're going to have a live report from Springfield, Ohio, where there's been another Norfolk Southern train derailment. 
Morning Joe is just a few short moments away. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.